So the, the action steps, they're, they're pretty much just more or less a rundown of a lot of the things that I did as I was getting into real estate, getting into just kind of finding out more about being an entrepreneur. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. On today, I have Daniel Kidd from Fayetteville, North Carolina with us. And Daniel is, as you can see from his shirt, for those who are watching, is a burr expert. And we have some really good information about his first deal that he's ever done. And you guys will really be excited about this. So if if you have excuses, get ready to unpack those excuses, buckle up, because we're going to go in and we're going to really talk about some things with Daniel. So Daniel, he is a military vet. He was commissioned into the Army, and he's a graduate from Virginia Tech University. Daniel is a full-time real estate investor and also an agent, so he's deeply rooted into the real estate industry in North Carolina and in Virginia. So without further delay, I want to welcome Daniel to the show. Dan, how are you? How's things going? Hey, good morning, Marcus. Thanks for that great intro. And yeah, things have been going great. All right. All right. So I know I didn't do your your intro much justice. Kind of tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, and why did you get into real estate? So first, introduce us to Dan Kidd. Yeah, so kind of as I as you laid out in my bio, yeah, I grew up in Virginia. I was one of five and I had three brothers. All of us joined the uh, the military and I just was the one that ended up down in Fort Bragg. So that's that's how I ended up down in North Carolina. I went through the ROTC program at Virginia Tech, graduated back in 13, and then I was in the army in 14 through the earlier part of this year. And I was there with one of the airborne infantry units for about four years. The rest of it was kind of split between training and stuff. But it it really was kind of the middle of last year is when real estate, you know, entered my world. And I don't know, is this kind of where you want to go a little deeper into into that? Yeah, yeah. So so tell me, what was your inspiration to get into real estate and how did you get started, man? So really there were, there were two moments that made me know that I needed to do something different. And the first one was I was, I was out on a back porch with some of my friends, friends that I had grown up with, and they were just talking about money in a different way than, you know, I'd ever really thought about it. One of them was set to make a quarter million that year. And, you know, I just honestly in that conversation felt very unqualified and it was a feeling that I knew I didn't want to experience again so i kind of left that i didn't really mention it to him at the time or anyone really but i i did i felt like i had not progressed at the rate of my friends in that moment and so i kind of started reading i started searching for something else a side hustle just kind of any way to make money and that's when i stumbled upon the book 
the four hour work week. Okay. That has probably been the most impactful book. I know everyone says rich dad, poor dad. And yes, that was one of my original <laughs> ones. It was actually suggested to me by someone that was trying to get me into Amway, which I, I didn't stick with that for very long at all. But yeah, I, 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 I almost <laughs> went that Amway route. I was doing sales. I was doing it's sales. Like they, can, they can spot us. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. They can spot was, you. It was at like an electronics store and someone was like, hey man, you're, you're really good at sales. You know what? I, I can help you make, you know, $150,000 in a year. When I think I was just maybe 19, 20 years old. And I was like, sign me up, you know, let's do it. And then, that, and that's what it was. It was Amway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I got, I learned some, some new sales techniques. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, no, they do, they have great stuff. They have a great reading list as well. I couldn't be more grateful for the reading list that I was introduced to at the time. But again, the four hour work week, what it really gave to me was it wasn't even so much of a vision of what I wanted to immediately do. It's almost like what I wanted to become. I love the lifestyle that, that Tim Ferriss portrays and how like the freedom that he's given himself, he actually then pursues more difficult challenges with that freedom. So that's, that was one of my biggest takeaways from his book. And just the way it was written, the fact that it has breakdowns, you can go back, you can look up by chapter, any of the things that you thought you might have missed throughout the book. I remember reading the book, I was like worried. I was like, man, I'm gonna have to read this whole thing again to remember, <laughs> you know, this thing, cause it's yeah, great. Yeah, the first part. I okay. mean, I love that there's other resources in the on the backside of that book as well. But sorry. Well, it was one thing you said, Dan, that was very integral in you getting started was you were with your friends and they were high net worth earners before you. So you had a surrounding of people that were above your level, above your income earning potential at the time. And it really expanded your thinking and said, hey, if they're doing it, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to start doing to really change the position that I'm in? So it was good that you were around people that were a step ahead of you. You know, some Absolutely. people, yeah, they want to be, you know, the big fish in a small pond. Well, in actuality, it's good to be, you know, a smaller fish in the medium pond and be around that same school of thought but on a higher level. So that was, that was very big. So they, that conversation got you started looking and searching into what can I do? And you stumbled upon the four hour work week and Tim Ferriss. Now, how did that translate into real estate? So it, it did. It took a few times falling on my face before I really got into real estate. And it was probably those initial failures that made me jump even harder into real estate. So, so what, first, what, I, were, what were some of those failures? Because everybody <laughs> think, everybody think, okay, I'm just going to jump out here and do it. And they think that, you know, there's no repercussions or anything like that. Yes, you have to jump, but sometimes that parachute don't open up until you bump on a couple of rocks, a couple of cliffs, and then you start to figure it out. So what were some of those errors to say that you had made? So one of them would have been Amway, but only to a small degree. I didn't waste um, a lot of time or effort or energy in that in any kind of a negative um, way. And again, I, I was really grateful for the reading list and some of the podcasts and what they really opened up in my thinking. But the, the biggest one was at the time I was trying to work with my sister to build an app. I had this idea that if I could build an app, 
you know, even if only like a couple million people download it, you know, I could stand to make some money there. Mm -hmm. So I just dove into the world of making apps. I started reading books about making apps. I, I made an LLC. I bought domain names. I had emails to go with everything. And of course, I still didn't even have an app. <laughs> and then yeah, I everything but what you really need. <laughs> <laughs> so I got linked up with this company. They said they could build it for like five to 10,000. And then when it finally came down to it, it was closer to like 80,000 just to put it on Apple devices and then 160 if I wanted to make it compatible with both devices. So it's probably because I wanted a super sexy app and it wasn't like, you know, simple enough. So probably why the price kept climbing. But anyway, I got in probably about seven to $8,000 deep and about like 2000 of that I had like borrowed from my dad. And I called it quit right when they spit that number at me. I was like, nope, not on my income. Cause I was looking at it in a time thing, right? Like I make X income because I'm employed by the army. So mm -hmm. if I'm able to save half of it, I can pay that bill off in X amount of time. And I was like, nope, that will not work. Yeah, that so, won't um, fit my formula. And it was right about then there was a, a rich dad thing that came up on Facebook, Facebook ad or something. I clicked on it. I, I went to the free whatever. And then I paid for the additional boot camp, which was like 700, bring a friend. So actually one of the friends that I was talking about in the beginning, I invited him to go with me. So we went to this thing and of course, you know, it was an upsell. Two hours out of every training day were spent trying to upsell me on like anywhere from 10 to $50,000 of, you know, mentorship. And I had recently just read the, oh my goodness, the Miracle Morning Millionaire. Okay. And I read it the night before I went to that. And, and that book alone shifted so much in me. Like I was so ready that I dedicated like my whole life for a couple months to like what that book was saying to do. And it really opened up for me just the time in the morning to read. So I started reading about four hours every morning. I wake up around four and I read from about four to eight. And I just knew there was like knowledge I was lacking. So I was trying to crush all of the bigger pockets books, all mm -hmm. of the rich dad syndicated books, or you know, however you say that. And then yeah. pretty much anything else I could find on real estate, business, mindset, to include the reading list I still had from the Amway. And so I was, I was just trying to pour through that, pour through podcasts. And at the same time, like I said, I was linked up with, with Shelby and- So man, not to, not to cut you off real yes. quick, just so people will know, Guys, the Miracle Morning really is a program or book to help you set and frame your day. So in the morning, you get up earlier, you rise early, you read, you meditate, you pray, and that really helps shift your day. And you write down your goals and reread your goals and things like that. That way you can keep those first things first because what happens is, you know, a lot of people, we go throughout our day and we're reactive versus proactive. We're responding to outside stimuli instead of being focused on what we're supposed to get accomplished on that day. So for any of you guys looking to frame your morning, that's a good um, product and a good book to read to just to get prepared to shift your day and to start your day. I'm a miracle morning person. I'm up at 3.30, 4 o'clock, do my praying, do my reading, meditating, and then I start my day. So I uh, just wanted to interject that real quick. So go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan. Yeah, no, and I'm glad you stopped there with the miracle morning because I know at some point we're going to get back to the action steps I mentioned, and it's that's action step number one. Read that book. Gotcha. Yeah, no, firm believer, if that's the first thing that you ever do, that book will um, exponentially increase all of your other efforts. 
So even if you think you need to go out and do something else, read that book first. I promise over the long run, it will speed you up. So, but yeah, like I was saying with, with all of that, I had gotten linked in with a Shelby, uh, Shelby Osborne. She's the leader and founder of the Five Pillars real estate team here in Fayetteville. Yes, yes, and, yes. I know Shelby. We had her on, mm -hmm. on the show. Very intelligent young lady, definitely doing mm -hmm. some things there in Fayetteville. And that's really where I just kind of started looking. She set me up with an MLS drip. I was doing all of my numbers by hand at the time. I, I had graph paper in my TI-89 <laughs> left over from college. And, you know, I felt pretty confident running numbers just with, you know, all of the math classes and stuff I had to take. So I, would, I was always showing her these sheets. I was like, look, here's what it looks like if I do a 15 as opposed to a 30 or like this price point. And it's like, yeah, I really wish I'd found calculators sooner as far as like analyzing because <laughs> it was all on paper. And so you're, talk, you're talking about the, you're talking about a 15 year note versus a 30 year note, and mm -hmm. at a certain price point and everything like that. Okay, okay, good. Exactly. She's, she's training you well, getting you started <laughs> in the right direction. I think, I think that's the only reason she kept me as a client as long as she did was because I brought a lot of energy. I was obviously doing all my numbers, and I was very interested. And I showed up to all of the meetups that she invited me to because I definitely put in some low ball offers. Like I've done all of the things that like, um, some of my more, you know, troubling experiences as an agent have involved. And I look back and I'm like, oh man. I yeah, I was, I was that client. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I do I have a lot of um, empathy and understanding for people just getting into the game because looking back, I can see that I, I did all of those things. But again, I, I also look for that same energy that I'm sure she was looking for. Okay. And so, yeah, we put 200 contract. We were throwing out offers. We put 200 contract. One was a single, one was a duplex. And my brother at the same time had been looking up in Virginia because we were planning to buy property together. And he had found um, another deal that was seller financing. It was a quad and a duplex, same street, same owner. And it just kind of worked out as we were going through the deals through, you know, a few delays here or there that the deals actually closed on the same day. So, so you were you were working on two deals in North Carolina, and mm -hmm. your brother partner was working on some deals in Virginia. Okay, yes. and then this is your first ever transaction, first ever deal that you're doing. Why were you so bullish? Why were you so aggressive, Dan? So I I had really gotten into the reading thing. I I probably put about you know anywhere from ten to fifteen real estate books behind me at this point. I was listening to one to two bigger pockets episodes a day. I felt very confident in what I was doing, and I just I kind of had this epiphany. And it's going to sound maybe even a little bit stupid, but it's just like for for most of my life, pretty much my whole life, I had never bought an asset, and you know there was just something that was like, hey, if you just start buying assets you know, even if the numbers aren't great, and I don't preach this anymore, I'm, I'm pretty big on numbers now, but you know, even if the numbers aren't great, it'll, it'll do better than what you're doing now. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was, I was very aggressive. I yanked out my entire Roth IRA. I, I liquidated everything I had and put it in with my brother on these deals, but we didn't have enough to do all four of them. So we dropped the single family, kept all of the multi. So how much capital, how much capital did you guys bring to the table? So we had to bring about 27 for the duplex down here, and we had to bring about 50 for the seller financing up in Virginia. Okay, so give um, or take, you guys are all in at 80K. 
80 ish, yeah. Yeah. Something okay. Like that. And, and all of these were predominantly turnkey. There were, you know, a few things we had to fix, but it, there was no major overhaul. There was no refi. And we will have to refi out of the multi up in Virginia just because there's a balloon on it. But it's, you know, it's across a 30 year, but with a three year balloon. Okay. So, so, so explain that, explain that to us. For those who don't know what you just said, explain that financing vehicle that you just used. Right. So what it means is that you're, you're still going to amortize it across 30 years. So you're going to make payments as if it were a 30 year amortization schedule, but at year three, that's when they're calling the remainder of the note due. So what we're going to do is just commercially refi out of it and pretty much anything we've paid off would help with whatever down payment we have to have at the time. But we're, we're assuming we'll be able to get enough for it. And with what we already have into it, we shouldn't have to add to it. And we might even be able to pull a little bit out of it. So that one is actually crazy good. All of so, the rents we bumped immediately, it was great. So the financing on that project, how did you find the lender? You know, was it private money, hard money? What, what was it? So the seller finance deal, no lender was actually, okay. and it worked out, we saved money all across the whole transaction. He's, he, he's an attorney, he'd done real estate his whole life. So he actually did the entire transaction, didn't charge us for that. And he made the whole seller, you know, financing note. We didn't have to pay anything to get that, you know, drafted or anything like that. So, so he actually made it very easy. So where did your brother, how did he find this deal? Do you know, was it through direct mail? Was it through cold calling? How did he, how did he find this seller finance deal? So he just got put on a distro list for a couple of agents and this one late agent who's actually now the property manager of that property brought the deal to us. And that's, that's how we, we found it. I'm not really sure. I know he was walking a lot of property with predominantly about two agents, but that's, that's okay. how it shook out. So it was, it was an on market deal. It was off market. But oh, it was off market. So it was a pocket mm -hmm. listing. Okay, so it's a pocket listing. Guys, what a pocket listing is, is where an agent has an agreement with the seller that they are going to list the property on an MLS, but before they do that, the agent can go out to some of their investors or some people that they know and say, hey, I got this. This is a pre-listed property. I'm going to list it, you know, maybe next week, but before I list it, hey, you want to take a look at these numbers and see if it's something that you're interested in. It's power of networking. Once again, your brother is out there stomping the grounds with two agents and the agents actually brought him a deal. Okay, mm -hmm. go ahead, Dan. Let's, let's continue. So you guys are at the closing table. You brought 80K. The deal in Virginia is seller finance. And now you said that one was already tenanted, completely tenanted. Okay. Yep. So that one was completely tenanted. We did have a little bit of turnover right in the beginning, but it actually allowed us to shift the rent slightly. So with those over the last year, all of the rents have gone up by about $100. So the cash flow we were looking at has improved by about 600. And, Honestly. you know, I mean, we've had our issues. There was, you know, one of the, the pipes up in the ceiling that like, you know, runs off the, what do you call it? Like the, the HVAC condensation or whatever mm -hmm. it had built up and like a bunch of water, like took the ceiling out of one of the bedrooms. We've had a burst pipe and, you know, I mean, we've had all the little things right. kind of happen. But it, I mean, it's, it's been great throughout the whole year, just kind of like, you know, the, the learning and all of that. So that one's been great. And then of course, the one down here in North Carolina, an HVAC went out. Fortunately, we had a home warranty on that one just by nature of the sale. 
And, mm -hmm. you know, we were able to get that fixed. It wasn't as quick as I would have liked. I will warn people, home warranty, yes, it's, they take care of it, but they don't hustle. Yeah, so, yeah they um, take their own time. Yeah, I mean, it just takes a while. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were back orders and it was in the whatever. So, um, so but it, it, it all worked out. I, I, you know, we comped the tenant the days that they didn't have AC because it was July and, you know, stuff like that. So, okay. but and yeah, those, those first ones have been some of the, the best ones that uh, I've put under contract so far. Okay. So a few things I want to kind of unpack what you were saying, a few things you said. Okay. So the one in North Carolina, I'm sorry, in Virginia, seller mm -hmm. finance, you guys found the attorney, the, the, the agent brought the deal to you guys. So you were able to close on that one. How much capital did you have to bring to the table just for that one specifically? 50. 50 on that one. Okay. And then now in North Carolina, which was an all market deal you guys actually found. And how much did you have to put in on that one? And what, what was that financing? 27 and it was conventional. And that was actually through a lender that, you know, I've, I've worked with ever since just because of the amount of time and effort he put into educating me. So that was actually one of the, the greatest things was, you know, first would have been finding Shelby and the second was finding this lender. I mean, any lender that'll stay on the phone and explain any form yeah. of financing you want to talk about, it's invaluable. So being a, being a veteran, Dan, why didn't you use the VA? I was waiting for a quad. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Gotcha. And now the one in Virginia, was that one fully leased up and everything like that? It, it was. And again, there was uh, some immediate turnover. We had about two of the units turnover right when we got it. And we were actually, um, you know, able to fill them pretty quick. It was later in the year, so it did take a minute. But once we got everybody in there, got everything stabilized, it's been really great since then. And that seems to happen when you have a new owner buying a property. The tenants seem a little unsettled. You know, some may stay, some may go. How did you guys introduce yourselves to the tenant? Was that you or was it a property manager? You know, just to let the tenants know, hey, there's a transition taking, taking place. I'm the new landlord. This is what you need to do to pay your rent, so on and so forth. How did you explain the, the new ownership and the new process for them, you know, to pay their rent, for them to make repair requests? You know, how did that go? So I actually can't speak too much to that other than just saying that I trusted my management. So in both cases, I immediately put them on management. I never acted, interacted with any of the tenants other than my brother who works in construction going to fix certain things at certain times in the units. I don't believe he, he ever had direct interactions with them as far as from a landlord tenant perspective. So both both property managers came highly recommended and I haven't had any issues. So your first transaction is eight doors and mm -hmm. multiple states. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, do you hear what I'm saying? This is this was Dan's first deal was eight doors in multiple states. Yes, Dan did have capital, but capital is not all that you need. You also have to have that mind to break those barriers because someone could have easily said, you know what, I'm just going to start with a single family and I'm going to start with that slowly and then work my way up. You jumped right out there and said, Hey, if I'm going to do it, let's do it. You know, kudos to you for that, Dan. So tell me, it's been a, it's been a little time since that first uh, transaction. 
have you come to a point where you're you were like all right this is enough you know i had the hvac leak i had a tenant you know not have any ac what am i doing did you ever cross that threshold where you were like man i think this is just not for me no but i will say like there were there were just like some things that i didn't know going in that i was just kind of like ah man i really wish i didn't have to like deal with that like what um, like like what so the bad. first one was i was i just in my head i assumed that property management would cover all of my expenses and i would only get the cash flow i didn't realize i would have to set up the mortgage payment and again i know that sounds so gotcha. weird right now and then and when i asked them to they were like no absolutely not <laughs> so that was like one of the things because you know again it was a lot of mortgage payments to make and then you know i bought that other quad in in december of last year so you know it was just things were were, were happening and i was just kind of hoping it was one more thing i could leverage out of my out of my life as I was pursuing real estate. I did have on the next quad that I bought with my VA, I, I had immediate tenant turnover. And something about that quad is very magical. Everyone that gets evicted has has torn the front door off and thrown it in the yard. Um, so this it, is so this is a new quad that you yes. purchased. Is it in Virginia or is it in North Carolina? It's in North Carolina. Okay, so you bought a new quad and I know your first transactions, you were out of money. So how did you, where did you find the money to put down for this, this next quad? So when it all shook out, what I had to bring to the closing table with this VA purchase was $128. So I was able wow. to get this $255,000 asset with some concessions for the repairs I needed to do. And I only had to show up with $128. So that was a huge win. Huge shout out to Shelby for that one. So she was my agent on that one. It was is far and away one of like the the biggest wins i've had I, I really haven't bought a piece of property so far that i've regretted and and certainly not that one it's great so you basically got a cash flowing property with no hardly no money out of pocket 128 bucks i correct i mm -hmm. tell people there are ways to get into real estate with little or no money but what's most important is the mindset knowing that Hey, I need to figure this out. I was just talking to my wife this morning. We're looking at a fourplex and I'm like, okay, I need to figure out where I can get this money. That way I don't have to come out of my own pocket and pay for the money. So I'm brainstorming and she was like, well, why don't you just pay for the money out of your pocket? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to figure it out so I don't have to pay for it, you know, out of my pocket. And I think I've come up with a solution. So I'll probably keep everybody posted and see how I do on that. So, but enough about me, Dan. So you got this new, this new quad tenant turnover. How did you manage that? You got a property manager, I'm assuming again. I, I did. Same property manager. And, and again, I found out some new stuff as you go, right? So one of the tenants, they left, didn't pay. And so my immediate reaction was like, all right, let's go in there. Let's turn the place over. Let's get a new tenant in there. So that's when I find found out about the 10 day period, right? So even mm -hmm. after they leave, if they haven't paid, you cannot touch their stuff for 10 days unless you want to be liable for whatever's in there. After I went and looked, there wasn't anything they really could have complained about, you know, going in the garbage. But, you know, even still, we gave them the 10 days, went in there, turned it over, got a new tenant in there. We haven't really had any trouble filling any of the vacancies. The main issue that I've ever had has never been with tenants that my property management puts in place. It's always with the ones that yeah, I inherit through the yeah. sale. Somehow, like, I don't know what they do to vet them, 
but those are usually the bad ones. Well, I'll, I'll say 50% of them are usually mm -hmm. the ones that are about to leave without paying. So I, I actually run that into my numbers anymore. And that, expectation, yeah. and that gives you some kind of heads up of why the uh, owner is selling. You know, <laughs> sometimes they have trouble tenants, but when you ask them or the agent asks them about it, you know, and they look at the rent rolls, oh, everything is rosy, everything is great, they're paying on time. I never get any complaints, you know, and then as soon as you take over, you know, no rent for the next two months, you know, and now you're evicting them, trying to go through the process to getting them out. Believe me, I know and understand and I feel the pain, you know, about it. So you got those tenants out, they moved out, placed some new tenants. How much was your turnover on one of those units? So it, it kind of varied. One of the units I decided to go ahead and just try out Airbnb. So I actually put a lot of money into that unit, somewhere in the neighborhood of just over 20. And that's to include the furnishing and all of the stuff that goes with an Airbnb. The other ones, actually, I was just kind of playing around with them to see what brought a higher price point. So when one of them turned over, I replaced the floor. When the other one turned over, I painted it. And then the third one, when it turned over, I put really fresh appliances in it and then i just saw which one you know and of course it's at different times of the year so I was, I was just trying to use that quad as a gaming mechanism down the road and this is after i have a few more as well that i'm doing all of this just to kind of see what here people are more attracted to okay, okay. Um, and yeah i mean as soon as i get it completely figured out i'll be you know more than happy to share with that it seems that the floor didn't do as well as i thought it would to attract people but it really could have just been the time of year yeah, and I mean, and that's it's with everything is it's trial and error. You have to get out there and you have to try different things. So real quick, right now, Dan, we're gonna have a word from our sponsors, and then we'll we'll come back immediately and jump right back in. All right, sounds good. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropStream provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to crowd.propstreampro.com slash we love it. All right. So, Dan, now how did you find your property manager? Because I know that can be a problem sometimes is finding property managers. So how did you vet the property managers? Did you, you know, just use the existing property managers that the property already had, that the previous owner already had, or did you get out there and scour and, and beat the bushes and see what you could find? So I, I really have gotten super lucky with all of my vendors across like the, the real estate market. I've had a few poor experiences, but in general, I've just had great recommendations coming from Shelby as far as down here, or I've just kind of run into them through nature of what I'm doing and been able to kind of vet them on the spot. So down here, I just used the same one that Shelby was just because 
I had seen him speak at some of the meetups I was attending. I met him. I really liked him. And I could see that, you know, what he was doing was being profitable for her and multiple other people I was talking to. So that one was kind of an, an easy choice. And then up in Virginia, it just kind of worked out that, you know, my dad is in construction, my brother's in construction. So they knew certain real estate agents and managers. And it was just kind of weird that it turned out that the, the lady who ended up managing for us was actually the one who sold my sister her home. So okay. it was okay. just kind of like multiple points of contact were saying, hey, she's pretty good. She's scary, but she, she's great at, at property management. So that's, that's kind of how I, I, I found them. So uh, let me ask you this question. Pets or no pets? I go direct with no pets. And that's just because I'm not in the single family game very much. With some of my Airbnbs, we do allow it. And in instances where people have asked to have a single cat, yes. If it's an ESL, I don't even fight that fight. If it's mm -hmm. two ESLs, I fight that fight. I'm like, no, you don't get two. <laughs> okay. Um, so tell real quick, you use the acronym ESL. What is that? Or I'm sorry, it should have been uh, ESA. Uh, ESA. Emotional Support Animal. Okay. <laughs> What is ESL? Yep. It's something to do with school. But anyway, so ESAs, um, and that essentially means that it doesn't count as an animal. So it can like travel with them and it mm -hmm. can stay for free and stuff like that because they have some, you know, trauma or something that the, the animal, you know, helps them with. So of course we want to support that. But if somebody comes up to you and they've got five letters of ESA, just realize it's super yeah. easy to go online and pay a vet to have your animal turn into an ESA. So I probably shouldn't have said that because a lot of people are going to do it. But <laughs> anyway. Um, it is, but that was that was a big problem, especially, you know, last year and towards the beginning of this year where people were just getting these ESA licenses and, you know, trying to have, like you said, multiple pets, you know, in a property. And as much as I love animals, I have my dog sitting right next to me, but it's really not the animal, it's the owner. You know, some yep. owners get, get animals and they can't properly maintain and keep up with them. And then it ends up trashing your property. So, okay. So no pets in the apartments, but yes, with the Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. And let's see. Now you have the property management company. Now, how are they collecting payments? What payment collection process are they using and how is it getting to you? So mine is direct deposit the way it comes to me. And I think that they are actually open to, you know, automated anything electronic, however they do have it set up. I really haven't dug into that, but I do know that they also allow, you know, people to walk into the office and pay, you know, face to face as well. So, you know, past that, I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, mine is uh, straight direct deposit. They will take off you know, any repairs that they've done, I, I have them at like a, a $400 cap. So if it's less than $400, they go ahead and fix it. If it's more than that, they ask me about it. And I just see it on a statement if it's less than 400. You know, if it looks a little light, I'll go back, look at the statement, see what was fixed, you know, good to go. Okay. And yeah, that's about it. That's good. I mean, it's the good thing is you have a good property management company. It sounds like they were referred by someone that you know. So that all works out pretty good. I know when you're dealing with investing in 
apartments, that can be sometimes the most challenging part is really not the tenants, it's the property managers, because the property managers allow whatever the tenants are doing. If they're not looking after your property, then that's when the tenants, you know, kind of just like kids, hey, mom and dad is gone. Hey, we could do whatever, you know, nobody's, you know, farming the, watching the hen house. So Dan, tell me about these action steps that you have for beginners to get started. I understand that you have some proven steps and techniques that people need to use in order to get started. So kind of run us through that. So those that are just getting started can have some kind of a runway in order to see how they can go about getting started. Yeah, absolutely, Marcus. So the, the action steps, they're, they're pretty much just more or less a rundown of a lot of the things that I did as I was getting into real estate, getting into just kind of finding out more about being an entrepreneur. And without kind of beating them to death, because I, I give it out to some people that don't ask. So I'll only read through a couple real quick, and then hopefully that'll kind of give an idea of what they are, because it's not something new. It's just kind of a, a conglomeration of, of the things that I, I pulled together from different books that I read and just different things that I found to be successful. So perfect. Like, you know, step one is, you know, read Miracle Morning Millionaire, like I was saying before. And step two is set two alarms for 4 a.m. and commit to leaving those alarms in place for 30 days. And your third step is to go ahead and cancel all of your monthly subscriptions. So there's, there's quite a few other things like, you know, delete all of the apps that don't serve your current goals and stuff like that. But again, it's, it's not that these individual actions will, you know, immediately increase how much you're able to make or your productivity or anything like that. A lot of this is just about breaking through barriers and just taking steps in a certain direction that maybe you'll actually fall back on later. And that's, that is the essence of the action steps. Okay. So it's really uh, a lot on focus, you know, just taking that mm -hmm. time and focus. So great guys. So you, you hear those steps. I'll make sure I have those steps in the show notes for you to review and you just need to be disciplined in order for that to happen. So right now we'll take a brief break and we'll bring Dan back and he will be on our hot seat. Looking forward to it. Finding real estate deals can be a challenge, but with Batch Leads, it doesn't have to be. Batch Leads has created a one-stop solution for all your real estate needs. So you can find more sellers, close more deals and maximize revenue. Batch Leads offers a comprehensive suite of lead generating tools that cover text messaging, skip tracing, finding comps, and much more. Batch Leads help you simplify, manage, and organize all your data in one place. Batch will help you stack your lists and identify properties that appear on multiple lists and have multiple distress indicators. These sellers are likely to be highly motivated and eager to sell. Get the most powerful and complete lead generation platform in the industry. Locate sellers, buyers, and lenders nationwide in seconds. Go to batchly.io and use promo code WELOVEEQUITY. All right, Dan, welcome back. So we are going to go over our hot seat questions. This is our hot seat, our hot seat. We're going to put you on a hot seat. So answer <laughs> these questions as quick as possible, and I may interject and elaborate. So... Uh, starting over, what would you do differently? I, I would take more action. That's that's the biggest thing, and it actually flows into question two when we get there. But I would just take so much more action. I know it seems like maybe I'm going pretty quick, but but honestly, in my eyes, I, I see where I'm slacking, and I see where I can do better. 
So it would okay. definitely be to take more risks sooner. Okay. And then what is your greatest commodity outside of capital? Time. So, and, th and that's why I wish I had just taken more action sooner. I mean, a year has gone by and yes, I've had a great year, but I could have probably accomplished two or three times as much as I accomplished in that one year. And it's one less year than, you know, I'll ever have. So okay. that's, that's my greatest uh, commodity outside of, well, even greater than, than money. Than money. Yep. Okay. What is one thing you could do to be more productive? The biggest thing that you know I could do to be more productive is actually figure out how to interact better with my clients, whether it be in, in real estate or making a deal for myself. I, I need to find better what um, I want so that I know what to present to them. And to kind of explain that better is just, you know, if you're kind of a yes man to everyone, you, you ultimately don't really service anyone. So to save more of my time, I need to let my clients and you know, other business partners know exactly what I'm gonna be able to do and what I expect from them. So, so really it's just getting my systems in place, knowing what I want so that I don't waste time on you know, people that, that don't really fit with what I'm trying to do. Okay, and then what, do you, what drives your ambition? Really, it's, it's the freedom aspect. I don't, I don't have like a, a all-encompassing why at the moment. Mine is simply to become free so that I can actively pursue and find out what that might be for me. So it is financial freedom, and ultimately I'd like to find something a lot deeper than that. But that's as far as I've gotten into that right now. Okay. And what do you believe is your greatest challenge, internal or external? I really fall back into what's comfortable and I also bring a lot of things back into my life that I have been able to get rid of that really do suck up more of my time. So probably procrastination in as many forms as you know can exist is, is my greatest hindrance. Okay. And what's the latest uh, business book you've read? So the, the latest business book was in it's chop wood, carry uh, water. And it's really more of like a mindset than maybe a business book, but okay. it is it is kind of the most recent one that I've, I've hit that wasn't real estate. So, um, so, so yeah. just give me a quick synopsis on that book. Right, so what it is is, uh, you know, this there's these two twins or brothers, I forget, and as they're growing up, one of them is, they, they always wanted to be samurai. And so one of them's physically unable and the other one is able. So he kind of goes and does that dream for, you know, him and his brother, but essentially for 10 years, what they do every morning is chop wood and carry water prior to training. So it's just about bettering yourself every day, but also doing those, you know, monotonous tasks like chop wood, carry water every day, yep. as well as the other, the other stuff and, and what it, you know, builds into you. Yeah. And per perfection comes by, you know, mm -hmm. persistence and repetition. So very good. All right. So what is the latest real estate book you've read? So that would be the, uh, the Bigger Pockets book, uh, the big book on rental, rental investing, I believe. I might have messed okay. that title up okay. slightly. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the most recent ones. And I try to read everything they put out there because you know, after you've read three or four investment books, you've kind of got the meat and potatoes of everything that could be out there, but you always pick up one more little nugget each time you go through, and especially the bigger pockets books. So I did, I found a few things that I, that I liked in there and, you know, definitely taken them and, and put them into practice with Perfect. myself and my clients. Perfect. So I'll make sure I have those two books in the show notes and the action steps also in the show notes, guys. So you can definitely go there.
and get that information. So before we wrap up here, Dan, tell me, man, how can we get in, get in contact with you? What do you have next going on? So the best way to get in contact with me, you can find me or anyone on my team on Bigger Pockets, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Real Estate with Daniel Kidd, and uh, you know you can uh, find find me there. Okay. And what's next for me? I mean, really, I'm trying to branch into Airbnb a little bit. So I'd like to expand on that. Try my hand with this arbitrage. We've started doing a few of them, and that's really what I'm attacking going into the new year, and kind of plan to do up until March at okay. least. So we'll see. We'll see how it's kind of going at that point. So the arbitrage is finding a owner that that normally rents their property mm -hmm. out. You rent it, sublease it as an Airbnb. Okay. Well, sounds great, Dan. I want to appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much, guys. Remember. You can find Dan, you can find all of his contact information in the show notes. I think it will be a good um, thing for you to reach out to Dan, pick his brain a little bit. I mean, who closes 17 doors in one year and in the first year of getting started? So I believe he could definitely put you in the right direction. So Dan, again, thank you, man. I really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show, Marcus. And until next time, man. All right, thanks. Signing off, guys. Remember, always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items, and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at M Maloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.